All right, well, good evening, everyone. Uh, we're going to get started. I'd like to call the April 6, 2022 meeting of the Medfield State Hospital Development Committee and our information and listening session tonight to order at 7.05. Uh, the meeting is being held in person and also allows for remote participation and is being recorded. So I'd like to start by introducing our development committee members. Uh, I'm Todd Trabanco, the chair of the committee. Gus Murby, uh, chairman of the Board of Selectmen now. That's right. of yesterday. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, Johnny Martinez and Chris McMahon. Uh, and down at the end, we have our ex officio member, assistant town administrator, Nick Milano. So we're going to start. I'd like to have uh, Selectman Murby talk a little bit about our objectives tonight. And then I'm going to walk through a presentation uh, regarding the current status of the redevelopment effort, and which we'll try to do as as quickly and efficiently as possible. And then we're going to open it up for comments and questions, both from our audience here tonight and from people participating remotely. Gus? Want to go to a second slide there. The, um, at, at this point in the process of trying to get the state hospital redeveloped, uh, we are going to be moving into a special, or we hope to be moving into a special town meeting in June. Uh, so in preparation for that, we recognize that it's pretty important to make sure that people in town are aware of what's going on uh, so that you can make an informed decision about whether you're comfortable with what our plan is to move forward with the redevelopment of the state hospital. So this is the first of uh, information sessions that we have planned. I think in this one, because we don't yet have all the details from the developer in terms of the, the at the end of the due diligence period, they'll be a more specific proposal from the developer. Uh, so I think one of our objectives for today in particular is to make sure all of you are comfortable, you understand how the process is going to work, you know what the major decision points are for the town, but uh, in particular what the major decision points are for all of you as residents of the town to enable this process to move forward. Uh, so we want to bring you up to speed on where we are right now. We'd like to uh, at least give some preview explanation of what the special town meeting is uh, all about in terms of what you're going to be asked to review and ideally, we hope, approve when the time comes to do that. Uh, we'll have more about when that's scheduled later on in the, in the presentation. Uh, and really, at this early stage, this is intended to give you all a chance and the people that have uh, tuned in uh, remotely a chance to ask whatever questions you'd like of us. Uh, to satisfy yourself at this point in time that you understand where we are, where we're headed. Uh, and if you have any lingering questions right now about what this is all shaping up to be, to the extent that we can answer it, we want to do that. Uh, I think those are, I think that's what we hope to accomplish today. Yes. I hear the Zoom at home is not working. <laughs> well, you can, you can let them all know what it was I just said, because I probably couldn't repeat that again, but... Uh, We'll uh, at, at least, uh, we probably have, do we have at least the picture that'll be recorded for somebody to see? Yes? All right, we're, we're good. There is a backup, so we, we, can, we can do something about that. Uh, very briefly before I hand this back to Todd, I just wanted to comment about sort of big, big history that we've had here. Uh, as many of you know, we bought this property in 2000, at the end of 2014, um, after several years of trying to be able to buy it and having the state not be willing to do it. So we, we kind of uh, got luck, lucky, I guess you could say, in that we had the opportunity to buy the property in 2014. At that time, 
I was on the I was on the expanded state hospital advisory committee that was called the Shack. There are a number of people in the room that were here on that committee when I was, and I think there's probably a few that actually were on the committee prior to my joining it. Uh, but I was I was on the committee at the time that the town decided to buy that the committee recommended the town buy the property and that the town approved buying the property, uh, and so. The, the process that we've had since then, you'll see in this presentation, in a sense, where we're trying to head has been very consistent with what the townspeople have said they wanted to do with the property since probably before we literally bought it. But certainly it's consistent with what we what the town said it wanted to do back in early 2015, shortly after we bought the property. The reason I bring that up is that in looking at this uh, this proposed approach, it's important to recognize that this is the attempts have been made throughout this process through the master planning effort that the state hospital master planning committee put together and through the development committee's efforts over the last couple of years. There's been a sustained effort to try to figure out what the town wants and to do our best to deliver it. Uh, it may not be good enough. Maybe maybe you don't like it, but uh, the, the key has been to take the aspirations of the town and over the last several years, especially with the development committee, to bring that into line with, I guess I'd call it market reality, and, and basically try to put a viable proposal on the table that represents the best that we've been able to, to bring about a proposal that actually is intended, we hope, to support what the overall aspirations and preferences of the town were. So you're going to see that. Maybe the, maybe the residents, when the time comes to vote, will say it's not close enough. I think it's important to recognize this is probably about as close an option as we're going to be able to get. If, if, if we have to go in a different direction, we probably have to do some more basic rethinking about what's possible up there. So with that. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Gus. So, uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to walk through uh, this presentation as quickly and efficiently as, um, as we can so we can save time for questions. And the presentation is really geared towards uh, kind of level setting uh, the discussion. I see a lot of people here tonight who have been involved for many years and have come to a lot of meetings, but we know there are also people in town who maybe haven't been able to do that and are uh, just wanting to learn more. So we're, we're going to kind of take a couple steps back here at the beginning uh, before bringing it forward. So, uh, and I know I said I was going to try to be brief, and this slide starts in 2003, but the <laughs> version one started in 1892, so uh, it cut some things out. So, uh, you know, as Gus alluded to, um, the town's efforts to acquire the hospital uh, you know, go back uh, quite a ways. In 2003, uh, that's you know when the hospital was shuttered by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts after initially being established in, in 1892. Uh, DCAM, uh, Division of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance, uh, the state agency that uh, was in charge, then you know, almost immediately retained a development consultant and started exploring plans for up to 600 housing units. And ultimately, they brought a plan forward that had 440 units and uh, I believe it was 41,000 square feet of, of office space, which um, 
was not well received in town and uh, you know after uh, many years and some uh, environmental cleanup that I know uh, people in this room were very instrumental in achieving uh, the town did have an opportunity to purchase the property uh, in 2013 and held a special town meeting in March of 2014 to uh, vote the question uh, whether the town should acquire it from the state or portions of the property from the state for $3.1 million. Uh, it's very interesting if you go back and watch that town meeting. And there's a YouTube link that's here. Uh, it was virtually a unanimous vote. Um, there was initially a voice vote and then a show of hands, and at least what you could see watching it on YouTube, there was a single hand that was raised um, voting no. Um, the deal had to close by the end of December, so there was uh, you know, a lot of legislative work and legal work that needed to be done, and ultimately an agreement was signed by the end of 2014, uh, conveying portions of the property and setting conditions for its redevelopment. Some of those were environmental, some of those were uh, related to historic preservation goals or energy efficiency goals. Um, and ultimately there was sort of a joint venture model where the future sale of the hospital or even long-term lease of the land acquired by the town, the profits would be shared with the state. So you know, then more uh, re that really launched the master planning effort. There had been some committees formed, but then the, the Strategic Reuse Master Planning Committee was formed. And between 2015 and 2018, uh, conducted a lot of interviews, did a lot of research, ultimately issued a plan, which ended up winning a couple of awards um, for planning. Um, when the selectmen received that, their next step really was to form this committee, which is uh, consists primarily of people that work in commercial real estate and live in town and we're, we're willing to try to help out to, to sort of figure out whether the master plan or something like the master plan could be realized. Um, from the developer interviews we did initially, uh, there was definitely interest. Um, the next step really was to rezone the land that the town had acquired north of Hospital Road. Uh, which was uh, business industrial at the time and it was rezoned as the Medfield State Hospital District by a two-thirds vote at town meeting in, in I believe it was November of uh, 2019. So we've then spent the last couple of years uh, working out a process to issue a request for proposals to the development community. That is, um, that process is guided by uh, state law uh, called 30B, which regulates the sale of municipal property. So we've had to very carefully uh, follow all of those rules about um, advertising the opportunity and you know what's in the RFP and how the proposals are evaluated, et cetera. Uh, that ultimately culminated in, we received two proposals, uh, one of which was submitted by Trinity Financial. The other was submitted by Pulte Homes and had actually three variations within that proposal. We evaluated uh, all of those options. We interviewed the developers. Uh, those were you know, public meetings and people were invited to submit questions and listen in on those interviews. And ultimately, as a committee, uh, we recommended to the selectmen that uh, Trinity be recognized as the most advantageous proposal if we use 30B language. Um, the selectmen uh, voted 
Trinity as the most advantageous in November of 2021, and then uh, work set about to execute a provisional development agreement with Trinity, which was um, just executed at the end of March uh, by the Board of Selectmen. So that provisional development agreement kicks off a due diligence period where Trinity has standing, and they're actually you know, gonna be able to get into the buildings, which they hadn't been allowed to do previously. They'll be able to talk to some town officials where earlier in the process we'd really restricted access because we didn't think it was productive to have any developer who was interested in this to be you know, calling up the school committee or, or the police chief um, when we weren't sure that we would be able to get behind any of the proposals that were submitted. So that agreement also runs that due diligence period up through the end of June, which is the target timing for, for special town meetings. So now as a committee, in addition to uh, conducting some public meetings like this, we, are, we have our own consultants, Trinity has their consultants. Um, there's sort of a massive exchange of information between now and I would say mid-May, early June uh, to be evaluated and shared with the public as we go forward. Uh, this slide I just, I just pulled from 2015. Um, you know, interestingly enough, there were over 3,000 interviews conducted by the Master Plan Committee and the, the big takeaways you see here, preserving beauty and openness, keeping the historic buildings and landscape, maintaining the green, reusing the chapel for an art center, and providing for recreational opportunities and connecting with agriculture. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about specifically what property is proposed to be sold. The, this map relates to the town's acquisition of portions of the property in 2014. So you see there are parcels A and B in red. That is what the town acquired. Uh, it's a total of 127 acres, roughly. 87 acres are north of Hospital Road, what you probably think of as the State Hospital campus. And then there's 40 acres south of Hospital Road, which is uh, basically agricultural land, the Sledding Hill, et cetera. The other parcels you see in yellow are still owned by the state. That includes the overlook over the Charles River. That's owned by the state, not the town. Uh, the land where the State Hospital Cemetery is, for example, those, are, um, those parcels are still owned by the state. Okay, so um, this... Todd, if I could just interrupt you for a second. Yep. Um, so the meeting, there's a mess up on the meeting. Like we have half the people in this meeting and half in another meeting. They're all coming over now as we speak. So okay. I think um, maybe go back a couple slides and just start from there, um, just as people are jumping over um, over to this meeting. They were, um, so we're starting to see everybody populated to the so correct place. Back to 1893? No, framing <laughs> what is part of the, what we're talking about in terms of Okay. The good news is that other meeting wasn't so entertaining that they didn't want to leave and they are coming over. So that's, that's a good thing. Okay. So I'm going to start here, if that's okay. And are we, are we ready to go? Yeah, I'd say so now as we've lost half the people in the other room as they're making their way over. So good to go. Okay. So then just going back to this slide and what the town acquired in 2014, uh, it's the parcels you see in red. Uh, parcel A, the land north of Hospital Road, uh, the core campus, the Arboretum area, the green, the north field, and parcel B, the uh, sledding hills or agricultural land across Hospital Road, which is approximately 40 acres. And then what you see there in yellow uh, is still owned by the state, including the Charles River 
gateway area, the overlook, uh, as well as these other parcels, including the cemetery uh, associated with the state hospital. So in terms of what was rezoned in 2019, this map shows the 87 acres north of Hospital Road. The subzones you see here, the Northfield, the West Slope, the Core Campus, the Water Tower, the Green, the Arboretum are not legally subdivided. They're just zoning concepts. And um, you know, no changes were made south of Hospital Road. So when we moved forward with the RFP, which was issued in April of 2021, we made uh, potentially all 87 acres north of Hospital Road available for purchase with the exception of the areas you see marked here in red. The area on the west slope, sort of the, the upper left-hand corner is the so-called laundry parcel. That's still owned by the state and is being environmentally remediated and that's you may if you've seen the chain link fencing up there now that's that's what's happening there now and eventually that will transfer to the town but obviously we could not include it in the rfp if it was not ready to be sold and we don't own it um, over to the right there's a water tower um, that's i believe about six acres and uh the town retained that um probably for obvious reasons to always have have access to that and then you see in the center area there there are two buildings the chapel and infirmary which the town leased to the cultural alliance of medfield cam on a 99 year basis so the town owns the buildings but cam has rights under their lease to develop those properties and there's some associated parking and green areas around those two buildings that are also included in the camp lease. Mm -hmm. So we asked developers in the RFP to tell us how they were going to work with CAM and the Arts Center, but we you know, did not include the chapel and infirmary in the RFP as, as uh, buildings that could be purchased by the developer. <coughs> So the other thing we did in the RFP is we said that the town retained the right to sell all of what I just showed to you, um, or some of it, or, or none of it. And so we, you know, we were open to sort of partial proposals or joint ventures. And, um, you know, in the end, the proposals we received, you know, generally were for the entire 87 acres that uh, that were made available by the RFP. However, the, the Board of Selectmen have since indicated, and this really relates to the execution of the, the provisional development agreement, that they, uh, the town will not be selling the green, which was uh, only allows open space under the current zoning. Uh, the north field, the, the portion of the north field that is um, unimproved, which allows under the current zoning for open space, agriculture, et cetera. Uh, or the Arboretum area, which is the cottages you see um, if you're entering the property uh, from the uh, Stonegate Drive entrance. And that zoning in 2019 allows for residential. The master plan had envisioned single family or duplex housing there. Um, the selectmen have uh, decided to retain that uh, going forward, and, and, and maybe it will be transferred in the future um, after the core campus is addressed and uh, property is only going to be more valuable or maybe it will be held if it's a decision for 
the selectmen in the future. So what you see here now in yellow is really what is in play with, with Trinity. So it's the land north of Hospital Road and specifically the West Slope and the core campus. Um, the areas that where you would associate with the, the brick buildings um, and not any of the open space green areas and not the Arboretum, which has the seven, uh, five cottages and the you know, superintendent and assistant superintendent homes. So that's about 46 acres. I mentioned earlier the town acquired 127 acres in 2014 and what is proposed to be sold to Trinity is is 46 acres. Uh, so um, trying to kind of show this here, if this is helpful, you know, that's about 36% of what the town acquired. And if you see, you know, the image on the left, those, those red parcels that the town acquired, you can recognize the shape of the uh, parcel A. You see now what's proposed to be transferred to Trinity is a subset of that. Um, none of the sort of green and open space areas and none of the land, obviously, um, south of Hospital Road. Uh, this map is actually kind of hot off the press. Um, thank you, Sarah Raposa. This overlays the subzones um, onto uh, an image of the property, and you can see, you know, essentially where the buildings are. So this is um, the same information that we've been looking at on the prior slides, except, you know, now it's superimposed, and you're seeing, you know, where the buildings are. So again, the west slope and the, the core campus, there's a small portion of the north field, which you see in purple, which um, has a building on it now, building 13, that would be, that's proposed to be transferred. But none of that unimproved area behind that existing building is included in uh, what the, the town is proposing to sell to Trinity. Okay, so just to hit some highlights of Trinity's proposal, uh, this slide says restore 26 of 28 buildings using historic tax credits. I think my math is a little off and it's probably 25 of 27. Scholars in the room can, can correct me, but I think if I properly account for CAMS buildings, um, it's, it's really, it's 20, 25 of 27 and not 26 of 28. Uh, they are planning to use historic tax credits, both federal historic tax credits through the National Park Service and state historic credits through the Massachusetts Historical Commission. Uh, Trinity is considered a market leader in the use of tax credits. They're known nationally for their expertise in historic rehabilitation and have really been doing transactions like this going all the way back to the 1980s when the company was founded. Uh, they are proposing to create up to 334 rental apartments. That's at the, it's within the range outlined in the master plan. It's, it's at the high end of that range, but it's in the range. Uh, those would be 75% market rate apartments and 25% affordable, which is pursuant to the town's uh, inclusionary zoning bylaw that was passed a few years ago. So they are you know, recognizing uh, our bylaw and providing those units because um, you know, in response to the RFP, they understood that um, you know, this would be something that would be required by the town. Uh, their work on the buildings would be within the existing footprint. There's no new construction of buildings proposed. 
there are two buildings that they anticipate demolishing. Uh, they have committed to, as part of their renovation, to adopt uh, sustainability and green measures as as possible. It's it's often difficult for buildings like this, and it's all subject to what the Park Service will approve. But um, you know they are committed to doing that, and they've brought a consultant on who's very well known for uh, you know being able to uh, implement kind of cutting edge conservation measures in all types of buildings. Uh, as a town, we would get uh, credits for 40B purposes for all 334 apartments, even though 75% are market, the way the state counts affordable housing, we would get credit for all of them. Um, and then just in terms of, um, you know, kind of heading towards the economics, the, there, there's no contribution here by the town. So initially, I know there's some concerns about remediation costs some demolition costs, um, you know, under this proposal, all the remediation costs are handled by Trinity as part of their project. Um, they're, un they're taking on the obligations that the town has uh, with the state that kind of date back to the DCAM days. Um, we also anticipated at one point, perhaps the town would be expected to fund the infrastructure work that you would normally expect a municipality to fund on a project like this, but that, that is also proposed to be included in the project so that there is no anticipated town outlay, there's no tax increase, there's no cash contribution uh, that the town or the people of the town have to make in moving forward with this proposal. This is a summary of the financial aspects. So they are proposing a $2 million purchase price. That is subject to due diligence. They get into these buildings, it's possible they could adjust it. We've also told them we're not selling them the Arboretum. I think if they can do their 334 units within the core campus, there's not a, that's not uh, economically detrimental to them. Uh, they are contributing $500,000 uh, for town costs associated with the construction management kind of monitoring of the project. Uh, the town may buy, uh, hire construction manager, lawyers, et cetera. And uh, in the short run, they are uh, contributing $25,000 as reimbursement of the costs of basically this entire process that we've undertaken over the past few years. Uh, then in addition to that, um, not to the town, but you know, as community benefits, they are proposing a million dollar direct contribution towards the historic rehabilitation of the chapel and infirmary for the, the cultural arts center. It's, they wanna support that project. I think they see it as very important that the uh, cultural arts center succeed in terms of being able to have a successful residential property up there as well. And um, that's part of their proposal is this million dollar contribution for specifically for the the historic rehabilitation of those two buildings that are still owned by the town. Um, they've also offered in the future $250,000 as a donation to the Cultural Arts Center for programming, you know, on the other side of construction completion and, and presumably completion of the Arts Center. So I'm going to run through these very quickly. Um, you know, this this is their proposal. I mean, it's pretty obvious a lot of work went into it. It's 400-something pages. It's on the town's website. Um, I just thought it might be helpful to include a few slides uh, extracted, you know, directly from 
from their proposal. So I'm just going to run through these. You can kind of see their concept, which is basically a new neighborhood of Medfield that would uh, have apartments and tie to the cultural center. And they've got some interior concepts here as well. Um, again, I'm, I'm not going to go through these. You know, they're, they're available through the town's website, but you can see you know, quite a bit of thought and detail went into uh, how they envision this project. So here's, you know, here's their site plan. Here's their landscape plan with both existing and new plantings. Here's their circulation plan uh, sort of within the site of uh, how uh, vehicles and people will move around. And um, this is just a, these are samples of other projects they have done. I mean, there's, there's a lot more that they included. I just pulled a few that are either nearby or similar type structures. In terms of, you know, Trinity and who they are, uh, founded in 1987, they've done more than $3.3 billion of development in that time, including more than 9,500 residential units and over 600,000 square feet of commercial. Uh, they have their own uh, management company, so the, the apartment property would be professionally managed by Trinity Management, which is an affiliate they created 10 years ago that currently manages more than 6,000 residential units and more than 500,000 uh, 500, square feet of commercial or retail. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of highlighting here, you know, the team they've assembled is really a who's who in terms of uh, architect and interior designer, lawyers, historic consultant, legal counsel. Uh, it's, it's really a pretty impressive team, and they've worked with them on other projects. So it's, um, you know, it's clear that this is a group that has worked together before and has done other projects like this. Uh, this is just the last 12 years, the design awards won by their architect, for example. Okay, so uh, just now to highlight uh, a couple of reasons why the committee uh, viewed Trinity as uh, an attractive proposal for the town. Uh, first, it, it puts the hospital property on the town's tax rolls for the first time ever. Uh, Trinity's estimate, uh, which is still being reviewed, is net $716,000 a year after covering, you know, kind of impact costs of the project, you know, uh, education costs, uh, police fire response, things of that nature. Um, yeah, you know, the town has spent about four and a half million over the uh, eight years or so. Uh, that's 3.1 million of that is the purchase price. And uh, the rest is operating. So, you know, if you, you start to do the math, you see there's a, a, a pretty good payback here. Um, we think just informally modeling it, you know, with the split with the state, it's probably, it's probably a million and a half of the $2 million payment would come to the town. So if that's the case, I mean, it's going to take four years, I would say, if the $716,000 figure is correct, four years to recover everything the town spent, which, of course, includes all the other property that Trinity, you know, we, we, we spent $3.1 million for 127 acres, and we're selling uh, about a third of that. So um, and also, obviously, uh, sort of some costs avoidance for the town. Uh, Trinity is handling all the environmental remediation. They're addressing the physical condition of all the buildings, restored to National Park Service historic standards at no cost to the town, and removes the town's liability for, uh, you know, anything up there, you know, someone 
getting hurt or you know collapse of the buildings, anything like that. It gives us housing that's consistent with the housing production plan of the town. It puts the town over the 40B threshold for the foreseeable future, meaning, uh, and the town has worked hard. I think in 2014, it, uh, we had 4% affordable housing towards the 10% that the state requires. We're now much closer to the 10% and this proposal would put us over that. And I think with a big enough margin where 40B would not be an issue in Medfield for a long time. Uh, and the proposal also leaves the open space open and under control and ownership of the town. Uh, just a couple of other quick points. Uh, their proposal is, is consistent with you know, the town's plans and CAM's plans up at the property for the Cultural Arts Center. Uh, they would be helping to make that project a reality. And just overall, their proposal is generally consistent with the master plan. You know, we we tried in the context of the RFP to point to the master plan and it wasn't a requirement that proposals comply with it, but we wanted developers to understand all the work that the town had done on the master plan. And you know, this proposal really stood out for trying to address what the town said it wanted in the master plan. Um, you know, for example, the historic preservation, the campus setting opportunities for recreation, things of that nature. Um, it's also uh, fewer housing units. I mean, the Pulte proposal that addressed the entire property was, there were two variations. One was calling for over 600 units of housing and the other was calling for over 700. So this is 334. And as I mentioned, it's within the range of what uh, the town had kind of developed as part of the master plan concept. Okay. so. As far as town meeting goes, I mentioned there's a due diligence period. So Trinity is updating you know, their initial assessments of fiscal impact. They're doing a traffic study. Uh, they're gonna do their own water, sewer, and stormwater studies. Uh, they have a permitting consultant. They're working through sort of timing of the permits and sequencing of those permits, including uh, state you know, MEPA approvals and things like that. They're doing kind of the classic real estate due diligence, uh, title research, uh, getting into the buildings, doing some environmental testing. And they're also talking to uh, agencies that regulate housing in the state and invite, you know, basically anyone with a jurisdiction or that may be participating in their funding. Um, and so as a committee, we're overseeing all of that. And Nick, I didn't bring the due diligence matrix, but on the website, there's a, um, a two-page kind of matrix will show you what we're doing as far as um, the conversations that are happening and the work product that is uh, is, is being reviewed uh, as we you know get into uh, you know the second half of April and May on this project and then you know as a town uh, in addition to reviewing those reports we are meeting with boards and committees uh, just let's their feedback we're going to host public meetings like this one try to answer people's questions. Um, and the town is also drafting the proposed land disposition agreement, which would replace the provisional agreement, really be the contract for the sale of the land. And that would be prepared prior to town meeting so that there are no surprises after town meeting if the vote is, is yes. Um, I did mention on here a gun range issue, Trinity flagged in their proposal concerns about the noise from the gun range that's on the state property. Uh, off of Route 27. They have an acoustic consultant 
Uh, we're working with uh, the police chief here in town. Uh, we're also working with Mass Development, who's talking to the the state, uh, uh, the person who controls the scheduling of the police training there, because it's it's generally not Medfield Police. It's it's other police departments and state police, and even I think federal officers at times coming in and using that range across the street. And uh, I don't know if anyone's heard it recently, but it seems to be getting louder and louder. And Trinity's concern is that um, some of their funding sources, there's a sort of a cutoff. If uh, if the noise is over a certain level of decibel, it's it's much harder to to fund a project that certain, certain funders will not participate, um, consider that to be sort of an environmental uh, hazard or nuisance for the property. So there's some I think an effort by the town and Trinity to figure out a solution there, which may simply be adding some acoustic protection down at the range. That's sort of to be determined. Okay, so uh, as far as town meeting goes, and I might ask my uh, friend Mr. Murphy here to help out on this. I mean, the vote at town meeting would be an authorization to the selectmen to sell the property in accordance with the land disposition agreement. So it will not be a blanket vote to just allow the Board of Selectmen to sell the campus, uh, you know, period, or to a different developer. It will not allow Trinity to sell the property, to sort of flip the property. Uh, some people have expressed concerns about that. It really would be uh, to do the type of project that we've been talking about here. Um, we're also capping the apartment total at 334, so if we were to get into a situation where midstream Trinity felt they wanted to do more units or needed to do more units, it would be it would be back to town meeting. It basically would not be an option for them to tell us after start of construction that it's um, it's going to be a larger project. Um, and finally, we can get into this in a couple of minutes in more detail, but it also won't result in an immediate transfer of the land to Trinity, they, the, the land won't transfer until all of the permitting is is done and all of their financing is in place. So uh, we can talk about time in a second, but is there anything about this slide that you'd like to talk about as a selectman? From my perspective, I think the only, the only thing I'd, I don't know if this is a reassurance or not, but some of the comments that I've heard over the you know past year or two People have asked, well, gee, do we get to kind of like look at what the proposal is and then decide whether we like the proposal? And then if we do, then we can get into uh, whether we want to sell the property. I'm not in real estate development. So these are the, I've been learning a lot from these guys being on this committee. But the, the one sensitivity that I have picked up is that when you have a big project like this, you've got a developer who's putting a proposal together. We, we passed the zoning before any of this stuff happened, but that was based on inputs from developers that basically said, we don't want to do all the work to put a proposal together just so you can window shop and decide whether you want to move ahead with it. So from my standpoint in this process, what we're trying to do is to make sure that the, the residents all have full access to what the plans are for this property. I think if Mark Sorrell were here, the actual vote at the town meeting is to authorize the selectmen to sell the property. So it's not actually approving the contract. It's not actually striking the contract. It's empowering the selectmen to carry out the sale of the property in pursuit 
of what this proposal as, as it's finalized through the due diligence process goes. The reason I bring that up is because some people kind of want to have an involvement in what do we actually get to decide whether or not that contract is going to go through and it's a, you do because you're going to see what's planned before you're asked to sign the disposition authorization but for me there's always been a slightly subtle distinction between the legal actions of the voters approving or authorizing the selectmen to dispose of the property that is slightly different than the town signing the contract with Trinity to carry this project out, which is what we'll do when we actually sign the LDA. So it's, it's a subtlety, except that I know the kinds of questions I've gotten over the years. To, to me, it's kind of become an important subtlety for people to understand what it is you're actually voting on at the special town meeting. Okay, and almost done here on the slides. Um, and then we can get to uh, questions, comments, and discussion. So uh, just in terms of timeline, so we, you know, we're in this uh, due diligence period, as I mentioned, and uh, in addition to, you know, working with Trinity and reviewing their information, we, we plan a number of sessions like this. Uh, you know, if the vote is yes at a special town meeting in June, you know, we're then really anticipating a period of probably 18 months for Trinity to complete you know, all of the permitting that's required at the, the local level, the state level, the federal level, to get their historic tax credit allocations, uh, to finalize their financing. And then only at that point would the sale close and the land actually transfer to Trinity. So the timing, right now at least, looks like it would be probably the, you know, the very end of 2023. So, you know, if the vote is yes in June, it's not, you know, the keys aren't handed to the developer the next day. There's not, you know, construction fencing that goes up the next day. This is going to take some time and it's going to go through the normal process for any kind of uh, real estate development in the town subject to town review, you know, planning board, ZBA, whatever it may be. Um, that process is then just really beginning at that point. Uh, assuming a start of construction in 2024, you know, we're probably looking at, you know, when is this property open? And, and, and the answer is probably the very end of 2025. They, they think it's about a 24-month construction period. So, again, they've done a lot of projects like this. I think that's good information. However, uh, you know, I think until... They get in there and start renovating the buildings. You can't really be sure how long it's going to take or what you're going to run into, despite you know all of your research ahead of time. So uh, that's what it looks like in terms of big picture. Um, Nick and Sarah have done a great job of including a lot of information on the town website. I've included the link here, and um, they've also developed some you know some some forms and formats for people to submit questions that uh, we will be looking to answer. Uh, you know, over time and in advance of, of special town meeting. There, we made it. So um, thank you for uh, for allowing me to step through that, and I, I hope that's useful information. So I think, you know, now we're we're ready to uh, to take questions, and I know Nick is sort of operating the remote participation piece. 
Although I'm not sure what he's doing right now. <laughs> oh, okay, the podium. So you want people up to the podium with name and uh, yes, identify so yourselves. And purpose for this is so folks at home can hear. So closer to our friendly owl is best. Um, and then if folks in the Q&A, or if folks on Zoom would like to speak, um, you can raise your hand or put your name and address into the Q&A, and we'll give you that opportunity. Dot, I didn't know if you had a time limit for the start, just in questions and comments. No, I think we're, we're here to, to hear what people uh, have to say or want to ask about. Jump off here first. <laughs> yes. So, Eileen Murphy, your new select person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in, when I found out I was running out of posts, uh, one thing I decided to do is let me dive in and start learning about some of the projects in town. So I had the pleasure of getting a tour of the property with Todd. And there's a couple of things you didn't get a chance, you didn't touch upon that I asked you about that I found very helpful. Like for example, um, the 334 rental units, I was on the impression we might be getting townhouses. And your comment was the way Trinity does it, their rental properties, they could in what, five to seven years potentially? Well, right, so under the, the historic tax credit rules, it has to be income producing property. So in order for them to take advantage of that funding it has to be income producing, which would be apartments or you know, it could be commercial, but in this case it would be apartments. And then there is a compliance period of five years, you know, once the uh, building is open mm -hmm. to maintain it as income producing property. So, you know, if we think it's finishing in December of 2025 and people are living up there in 2026, out to 2031 as rental, you know, in theory, could it be converted <coughs> to condos at some point after that? Yes. I don't okay. know of a case where Trinity's done that, but it's it's not not allowed. Right. right. So if they were to do that at the time, then I think the town is looking at, you know, real estate taxes on the condominiums as opposed to the rental. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just thought when I was taking the tour with you, I was on the impression I, I missed the word rental. I was thinking that it was going to be townhouses. So just clarifying that for me, I was like, okay, it starts off as rental. It could go that other direction, but um, Trinity's tends to stay in the rental. Uh, again, not a knock, just something that clarified for me. And then something, again, that you helped me with, because if Cherry Potts is here, I was fired up a few weeks ago about, well, you know, did they really do their homework? I mean, you know, why Trinity? But then again, walking with you and you sharing with me that many of the proposals that came in just wanted to level it, right? So it's not that that they just weeded through it. They just didn't even come close to what the town was asking for. So what Trinity is, is, is bringing forth, and I have a younger brother that's in real estate development in South mm -hmm. Boston, so I've picked his brain on Trinity, and he's like, no, they know what they're doing. I, I was like, Eileen, this is what they do. Um, other people may come up and try to, to bid against them, and it, it's like looking at them thinking, okay, we're, we could try to bid against them, but they're going to do the better job. So when I finished my tour with Todd, I, I went home and I was like, you know what? These guys have done their homework. Um, they have tried as best possible, and I don't, I don't think it's realistic that, let's just say there's 18 bullet points there, that for us as a town to say, you know, Trinity has to hit all 18. But it's going to be important, I think, what they're focused on is uh, they are hitting the points that are really important to the town. I mean, Cam, um, Gene's just done phenomenal work, so they're, they're making sure that that's part of it. Open land is part of it. Um, so I, I just want to go up and say, like, some of the things that you shared with me really helped me turn from being someone that wasn't very educated in what was happening to really appreciating the homework you've done. Nothing's been rushed. I mean, I, I've referenced that 2015 meeting quite a few times. I love that it was 
a post-it, young and old alike were able to sit at tables and talk about what was going on. Um, and then just another question that I have, and I should know this is selecting, but I, I've only been in it a week and a half, um, is, is it a two-thirds vote at town meeting, in the special town meeting, or is it just by one? Well, do you know what that is? Yeah, my, my understanding is it's two-thirds, but that's yeah, really a question for Mr. Sorrell. Yeah. Because it wasn't sure. So, so we got two selectmen that aren't sure if we can <laughs> we can go for three. Pete, two thirds or? Yeah, so we're pretty sure it's two thirds. Okay, Pete's making me feel a lot better that I don't know the answer. I go, you get an excuse, but I think it's two thirds. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the forty B units. Do you know when those would? If, if we followed that timeline right there, when would those three hundred and thirty four count towards our safe harbor? The moment we sign with them, or the first time a shovel goes in the ground? I think it's permitting, permitting. Is it permitting? Yeah. Okay. Um, other than that, someone else can step up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think I may have cut the line, so I apologize. <laughs> I'm Dave Pucci from uh, Charles Hill Road. Uh, I only have two questions, and I don't mean them to be pointed. I think you guys have done a, a lot of good work here. And I do think that you've tried to incorporate what the town has said over the years, what they would like to see done with this property and the rest. So I had two basic questions about how this came about, where we are right now, and how much money we're gonna generate out of it. So the first one is we only received two bids from Trinity and from Pulte. Why only two? It seems like a unique property. It sounds like a great opportunity to build something great. Are there only so many qualified bidders, or was there no interest in it? Is there any opinion as to why just two? Yeah, so I can, I can I, that's an excellent question. So uh, first of all, and, and I probably should have covered this, uh, when the RFP was issued, it went far and wide. There were some requirements under the, the MOA with the state, but we were working with a consultant that we had hired that um, you know, has just tremendous contacts in space. And this went to, uh, maybe we can quantify this as we get, because we have all the records, but it went to uh, a lot of uh, developers directly, as well as being published in the Central Register. And then it went to a lot of uh, architect and design firms that are kind of in this space. So um, we, you know, we, were, we, we thought we'd get more proposals to be candid. Um, we had uh, a site walkthrough in May, you know, during the RFP, after the RFP was issued, but before bids were due. And I, I, I believe there were, you know, somewhere between 18 and 20 developers re represented there. Okay. So uh, we were, you know, we were expecting more. And so when we followed up with people who did not, firms that did not bid, it was a, it was a combination of, of reasons. So some of the reasons were, uh, it's a very big, you know, complex project. We've decided it's too big for us. Yeah. Um, we had developers say, well, we thought there was going to be more of a low-income housing component. We were going to use low-income housing tax credits, not historic tax credits. Sure. And you know, we didn't think we'd be competitive coming in and proposing a project that was 100% low-income. Sure. We had uh, other groups like uh, like Avalon Bay, for example, who have done other state hospitals, who said, you know, we've learned from doing other state hospitals that our ideal project is probably two thirds new construction, one third renovation. So we're going to pass. Sure. And then we've had other firms say, uh, 
reading through this, we were pretty confident we would lose to Trinity. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't want to spend the time and effort and money sure. if we didn't feel like we had a competitive advantage. Sure. Yeah. I was just trying to wonder if we were just only two people and no, it's else an excellent. We also had the RFI piece where we did interview a lot more develop like there was a lot of interest and then timing and sure. you know all that stuff comes yeah. in. other developers also have a pipeline that they're spread thin on yeah, okay. right now so sure and then the second one is is more picayune i don't know in the in the reading i've done from the plans and the reports that you guys have how you determine what a fair price is if a developer comes to my house and wants to bulldoze my house and build a mcmansion you know I know what my house is worth, so he's going to have to pay me market value or what's fair to me. Uh, the $2 million plus minus is other things that they're going to contribute to the town. How do you determine that $2 million is enough for them to pay? Are they getting a cheap deal on that, or is that they're paying too much, or is $2 million enough for Trinity to pay money to the town? Yeah, well, I think that's you know part of the question for town meeting you know we see part of it as you know well what did the town pay for the property what did we get versus what we're selling i think one of the reasons for keeping the arboretum out is that's sort of considered to be the crown jewel and that that portion of the property will only become more valuable when the core campus buildings are addressed yeah. um, you know the one of the comments we received when the proposals came in was you know, it's, it's kind of disappointing that there's not more senior housing being proposed by anybody here. So I think, you know, potentially there's an opportunity, you know, in that arboretum space to try to address that, you know, in the future by the time. So we're not selling all of it. So I think, you know, part of it is we're trying to address, we think as a committee, it doesn't make sense to move forward with a proposal to say just do the arboretum, right? Yeah. The issue is these buildings, the condition of the buildings, the environmental. Sure condition of the buildings and addressing those. So you know, we have somebody willing to come in and do that yeah. and basically pay all the costs. And we are receiving a purchase price. Would we like it to be higher? Sure. sure. But, you know, and yeah, can we get it higher? You know, maybe, Trinity, if you're listening. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, what it it's is. part of the basket of things that we're getting. Yeah. And I think some people value the money more highly than they might value, you know, say open space or some of the other things that we're getting and that kind of gets you into that. Sure. How do you decide, yeah, you know, fair. what's fair, right? Yeah. Could, I, could I add something to that too? Just a couple of data points. Uh, back in 2014 when we bought the property, rec rec this was not a detailed estimate there. It was just at the level that we, uh, the level of knowledge we had at the time. Yeah. That prop, the, the proposition that was put forward to the, the residents at the time was we're going to buy it for 3.1 million you know there's this renovation and things and what we're hoping is that we'll find a developer who would be willing to do it for free right. so the starting point and I, I don't want to over oversell the validity of that estimate because it was a real back of the envelope estimate but the expectation there was we might not get any money for it. It's just because if you want to get this stuff renovated and, or, you know, and you have to do all the infrastructure, you're, you know, there's not a whole lot of money left for a developer for what this is supposed to be. So that's one data point going back to 2014. One of the things I liked about this process is that we did get a Pulte proposal. 
If anybody's wondering what the just sheer, hard-nosed, mercenary economic value that can be extracted out of that property is, take a look at the Pulte proposal. And, and what was good about that is it was, and I, I'm going to say this, but I'm not saying it about Pulte, it was like the deal with the devil. How serious are you about what you said you wanted? How about if we offered you this much money, would you just let us have it to mow everything down and put up what we want to put? And I, I think that's a valuable yeah. reference point. Yeah, so, you know, you probably know the high water mark. Uh, and then speaking personally about this proposal, I think, Todd, you kind of touched on it. Do not underestimate the significance of a developer who's willing to pick up the infrastructure costs and pick up the remediation costs or the renovation costs to restore all those buildings. That, if you really want to know where the economic value to the town is, given what we said we wanted, it's actually not showing up in the check that they write when they buy the property. It's the commitment they've made in the proposal to do those things as part of this project. Sure. That's correct. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. How do we do? One person has raised their hand if you want to take something remote. Sure. All right, this is Jason. Jason, you should be able to speak now if you want to unmute. Can you hear me okay? Yes. yes. Oh, there we go. Um, the, I, I just got introduced to uh, the property last fall. I didn't know it, the, the public was allowed access. Um, the, the north field and the trails, basically the dog park back there, uh, under currently your best proposal. Yeah, the town would still own the north field. That would not be transferred to the developer. Uh, under the, under the sort of the maps you showed uh, in the beginning, though, it didn't look like the public would really have access to that with the development sort of going on in between, in between the road and the field. Um, well, and I'm not I'm not sure what map. I you're, believe the public still has access to the entire property right. mm -hmm. under the under the zoning and under the. Um, the well, that would definitely be the case. I'm just not sure, um, Jason, which which map you're referring to. I'm trying to find it. One of the items for discussion. Uh, and I, I should know, I, I didn't really mention this, but, you know, if you go and you look at the Trinity proposal, you know, I guess, I guess I did mention they were proposing to acquire all of it. So, you know, when we're talking about this and we're looking at these maps, this is, you know, Trinity is interested in moving forward even without the Arboretum, the Northfield, and the Green. And as we've been talking tonight, we've sort of been, you know, adjusting for that. So, um, you know, if you're looking at the Trinity proposal and it says they're, they're buying everything, I mean, that's been overtaken by... Um, you know, events and discussion with the selectmen in town. And Todd, I don't know if this is related to the question, but the other thing is in the provision of the RFP, any developer had to provide uh, a plans for how to maintain continued public access to all of the properties surrounding what's being developed. So uh, uh, if, if you're, if you were thinking that because they're developing this property, suddenly it becomes private property, and it's landlocked, you know, it landlocks anything. Part of the provisions of the RP required that the, the developer provide public access to everything. Well, that's true. And also, um, you know, some of that will, you know, really shift towards the town with the town retaining 
these parcels, right? So we had said in the RFP to the developers, you know, give us your public access plan. I think now that, you know, in this proposal, they're acquiring the core campus and the West Slope. It, it's it, that's still an important concept, but it's less important now that the town is going to be keeping these other uh, portions of the site. Does that answer your your question, Jason? Do we still have Jason? He's he's, stuck, he's back in the regular. Okay. Sorry. Thank you, Jason. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm John Thompson, 34 Evergreen Way, and I want to thank the committee for the work that they've done in the hospital. And um, further to Gus's comment about plowing a site like this under. As a sort of the unofficial historian for Medfield State Hospital, and having been around it since 1999, spent time with patients, psychiatrists, and nurses out here, um, and also studied the history of this property. It's something, and it's a national treasure. It's not just a treasure to, to the town of Medfield, it's a treasure to the United States of America. When we did the X Men movie in 2017, the producers told me that they went over the entire world to find a hospital to film that movie in. And they said, this is the last one that still stands, that hasn't been partially demolished, or is safe enough to film a movie. And that got me quite interested. How many people know that this building, Ward S1, was designed, and the architects for that building was Shepley, Rutan, and Coolidge. What did Shepley, Rutan, and Coolidge, who were they the architects for? Well, Children's Hospital, South Station, the Stanford University landscape in California. This place had some very famous and important architects and engineers. The electrical system for Medfield State Hospital was designed by two guys named Stone, Mr. Stone, and Mr. Webster. The sanitary sewer was designed by two men named Mr. Metcalf and Mr. Eddy. They personally worked on this site. And so it has an incredible history. And it's interesting that the project will take three years to build out. This was built in two and a half years by Italian masons working 12 hours a day, six days a week, in 18, starting in 1893. So even in 1893, they finished it in under three years. It's pretty amazing. And so my experience here as chairman of Buildings and Grounds has gotten me close to these buildings and learned about what we have here as a treasure, and it's definitely worth keeping. And the redevelopment plan, I think I've studied it. It's a good plan for redevelopment. Um, my comment about the north field, this was the root vegetable field. There were 400 acres behind Dover. Sherborne High School, where they grew the root vegetables, the wheat and rye were grown on field A1 and A2. And this field is one of the finest fields in the entire town, probably the best open space field in the entire town. So it's definitely worth keeping as open space. The original building committee in 1892, in locating this campus, looked at 126 farms in greater Boston they decided that this was the best one to build a new psychiatric facility. 
So as far as the details of the development that's been proposed here, aside from protection of the north field is open space, the green which you have is protected. So I want to say something about the Arboretum and the buildings. There are four employee cottages, then there's a brick building out front, which was the steward's cottage, and then the Moses Bishop house, which is the old farmhouse that was built in the 1700s, probably is beyond saving. He was the judge that the state bought this moral farm from in order to build the state hospital. The six cottages, three of them were built in 1906 and three were built in 1912. The steward's cottage was built around 1914. There's one other house in the Arboretum called uh, the superintendent's cottage, which is the white, the white Gamble-style house. All of these cottages were designed by Robert Kendall, who also designed the nurse's dorm and West Hall. Same architect designed those houses. The cottages were used, initially the cottages were built to house one ward attendant and his family on the first floor and six nurses on the second floor. That's why they were built. Um, they were used as halfway houses in the 80s. They're in pretty bad condition and they, they probably um, are beyond repair. They were also remodeled inside. Um, but the steward's cottage, which the town formerly used as a MEMA center, is in very good condition inside. It's a beautiful house. Um, and also the Lindbergh house, which was the superintendent's house, was built in 1906, is also a beautiful house. And I would recommend that the Lindbergh house and the steward's cottage somehow fit into some future development plan for the Arboretum area. Whatever else is built around and in between, um, maybe could you know, complement that style of architecture from the early 20th century. Um, the green is formerly where the Clark Building was, if some people remember the Clark Building um, sat uh, on the green. And really, aside from that, I think that the proposal is a good one and um, compliment the Development Committee for putting it together. Thank you. Uh, and I, you know, I just want to clarify, so the, the, you know, the decision uh, to not sell the Arboretum is, is not a decision to um, you know, to demolish the buildings later or anything like that. It's sure. just purely a decision to not include that and to focus sort of first things first on the core campus. But thank you for all that's just great information. Sure. I keep the mask on because I respect the families who have children under 10 or 11 being from the scientific community myself. I'm Tom Craig now, uh, 124 Phillips Street. I used to live on Evergreen years ago. I've served on many boards in this town and uh, Board of Health back in 68 to 80. You know Title five that you have for your on-site septic so that a honey wagon doesn't come? That started in 72 with us and the state made it a state building code in 95. At the same time we put in a regulation for any well that was in town. If you're to use it for watering your lawns you should have drinking water quality. The state is yet to do the same. As far as lead goes, at 128 really is a, is a Silicon Valley. I can explain that too if you have questions. But lead was done by Dr. Klein at Boston Medical Center. And that was the blood leads and children were on lead paint band. 
I'm sure there's plenty of lead residue at the arsenal or at the firing range, so that could easily be checked, as well as there's translocation from the lead in the soil to the leaves, so people are there could be in danger. However, forgetting that, back years ago, I was on a park and rec board too for quite a few years, and we had an initiative to go after the sliding hill. I don't know if you all know, in 2002, it was a bill and an article number, and we're about to get the sliding hill. And guess what happened? They threw the keys away up to the hospital and said no. They stopped it, and then we didn't get it till recently, when we spent $3.1 million to be inclusive. But we were that close, and it was going to be ours, the whole town of Goderdheim. I also am very concerned about something that happened in 2002. There was an insurance company who I believe, the, the study is in the library, who came and looked at these buildings, I don't know if you're aware of it, and stated that the mold in that building and those granite rocks that's two or three feet thick are so bad that it's almost impossible to clean it up and they would never ever grant and insurance to anyone in one of those houses because it would be just a disaster going forward for them and knowing how bad it is. I think we should look into that and someone should look into that report that's in the library if it's still there. Another thing that I want to mention is you talked about certain things they're doing, but do we have the capacity of the water and the sewage, or is it going to pass on to us at the respective sites? That well that they want to put on up at Elm Street, you went down 80 feet years ago, you're going down another 80 feet, and you still have the same contaminants. You also, there's another thing that I still think that the state hospital has. Mm -hmm. I requested the DEP in writing to look at the molecular weight of samples between the weight of 200 to 400. That has never been done. John, take a chemistry class. <laughs> Advanced chemistry. Also, that was not done. The molecular weight of samples over 400. Remember, there was an oil, oil delivery there by a railroad car. Guess where it landed? On the ground. Dioxins and other materials above 400. That has never been done. I also asked and did receive some of the work done by the labs, and I didn't see this work that was done where they ran the standard first, and at the end of the day ran the standard again to bracket the results to see if they were really true or their equipment had drifted away. I think we're in and could be in big trouble if this proves to be in the future with this development. I think more has to be put into the environmental look-see of what's going on there. I'm uh, very concerned about that. And I remember when DCAM had five consultants coming in and talking about it, and I asked questions and I brought in a piece of gear and I said, this is the heart of the matter. 
and they had no idea what I was talking about, nor did one of the laboratory people that were there. And it was a gas chromatographic column that goes for a GC mass spec. There's, there's so many different instrumentations and there's always two ways to do an analytical study and you should have two, not one single analysis by one single approach. You should always have two for confirmation. I've never seen that on the entire site. I myself believe that this is, could be another Superfund site in disguise but only to be brought forward with people getting sick into the future. We had a problem also, as you may know, off of, uh, up there off of Pine Street, where there were unknown people getting brain cancers and that sort of thing for a while. We don't know where that source was from and to this day. So heads up on this one, gang. Okay, so let me, right. uh, just a couple of comments. So yes, thank and you. thanks for all your work. I'm technical Tom, as Gus would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, Trinity is doing their own environmental testing. Um, and, you know, they, they'll share those reports with us. Um, the way it's set up, you know, if the vote is yes and the town transfers the property, there's a release of any claims, you know, against the town uh, as part of the sort of legal contract so as far as you know your your comments about the environmental I mean, that would be our expectation with the, the transfer um, we had our own study done on the water and sewer which is on the town's website in 20 i'm looking for nick 2019 probably uh 2020 um the conclusion was at that time there was sufficient uh all right let me get capacity there. so i'll be happy to go there all right let me just say something about tertiary treatment. We're the only one community on the trials that's doing tertiary treatment. Tertiary treatment, when the water comes out and goes into the trials, you should be able to drink it. Also, Charles Rivers, I think Charles River was involved and Save was involved and said, oh, you gotta get a phosphate level back down from 12, 14 parts per million to six. Well, what happens in nutrification of the vegetation in the trials? It's automatically 12 to 14. Why were we holier than the churches of old or synagogues of old? Why were we so blessed that we had to do this and get down to six? Because the non-point runoff down below. Also, our treatment plant is supposed to have a mixed bed of filtration to give us the third, third area, and we're not doing it. Excuse me for being so technical about this, but this is what's, what's uh, happening here. And we should know how to handle this. It's very simple and straightforward. The, the uh, swim pond used to be the sick pond years and years ago off of uh, Green Street there, Pinkley Pond. That's where the first well was in town. Back, back in 66, the water in this town was so clean coming out of the wells that you couldn't even get a pH. The pH meter would be going all over the place. And then if you put two electrodes in, the specific ohm resistance was 400,000. There isn't bottled water today that is clean as the water we had in 66. What happened? What happened? I don't know. 
But at the same time, we were told that we had to get down to six parts per million on the phosphate. There's something wrong. We're the fall guys for this. We gotta stand up, and science speaks volumes. Volumes and volumes and volumes, and it's as true as could be. I don't be here to be giving a chemistry lesson, but I'd love to <laughs> in some ways. Okay, thank you. I can talk about everything from uh, the, the uh, red tide, the steroid analysis for athletes. I can get going on many, many, many <laughs> yeah. applications. To stick with the but anyway, I'm going to stick with the hospital. Yeah, anyway, and the toughest research in the world is what? Not going in outer space, but the human body. So we got to be careful, gang. And by the way, my company did the DNA, we did the PCR, we did the Hubble telescope, we did the polymer telescope, we did all sorts of different projects. We, we saw the eyes in the duck in 1960 from 40,000 feet going 400 miles an hour, and we also saw the lunchboxes of Russians putting in the silos in Cuba. So, so to be clear, to be, to be clear, time, any questions related to the hospital, plan, come talk to us. All other problems, talk to Tom. That's right. There you go. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Jeff Hyman, One Metacon Street. I do appreciate listening to fellow colleagues. Um, having worked in the biotech sector for 35 years and done testing and understand equipment, um, I will say, though, the single greatest contributor to water pollution is residential homes that use stuff on their lawn. And that's where the problem is. So if we're going to look at a problem, you got to look at the whole problem. But first of all, thank you for your service on this. Usually I come to meetings and I'm mostly angry. But today, <laughs> everything is like really good. Everybody's, I'm hearing all the things that I think I like to hear about. It sounds good. Um, you know what? If there's contamination, I know that there's been tests. We've looked at it. It's there anyway. Let's, let's find a way to move forward, figure it out, and make this happen. Um, so just a couple of questions. So if, as this, say, moves forward and things really don't go in the ground until 2024, you know, is there any plan to keep the building stabilized till then? Again, it's every time we meet, it's like another 18 months, another 24 months. And is that a concern? You know, Trinity says, I'm in, but two years goes by and the buildings are not as good as when they just checked it, say, tomorrow. So is there a plan and money to fund keeping that stabilized, the buildings? Even though they're going to fix and renovate, right? Water, intrusion, things like that. I, I, so it, it's a good question to ask. I think the first the first part of the answer to that is: Has there been a plan to stabilize them? And uh, John Thompson here has taken the lead on doing that. So the town has been spending money to. It, we're obviously not remediating the buildings, but we're we're trying to spend money as prudently as possible to preserve the buildings in their current state. And in a couple of cases where I think I can think of some uh, roof issues where what I learned is the place where two roofs come down and, and the junction is where the, the leaks occur. We have spent money on that. We haven't necessarily replaced slate roofs with slate roofs. We've basically replaced slate roofs with something that's waterproof so that we don't have continuing leakage. Uh, I would, off the top of my head, I would think at the point that we have an agreement 
with Trinity, and Trinity is working to permit things. Uh, John, you may even have a view on that. I would kind of think it would be Trinity that would be making decisions about how to keep the buildings together for an extra year before they start to do things, because it's going to be in their interest to do that. Uh, but the short answer, I guess, would be it would be a matter of discussion for that one year between the time that they know they're going to do it and they haven't yet passed papers. Uh, we'd obviously have to coordinate, but I wouldn't. I don't think there would be anything that would make that an extraordinary expense above and beyond what we're already spending. It would just be a matter of how we divide those costs or who's actually got the responsibility. I mean, funding is important, right? You Absolutely. You, you need to make sure that you have enough funding Absolutely. to do what you need to do. Um, the other thing, on the gun range, and I understand from the conversation and some knowledge that the police use it exclusively. Um, who owns the land? Who who controls that? The state. The state. I think it's actually technically DMH, if you can believe it. Is that a benefit, not a benefit, to, to, to be able to work this, this system, if you will, to make sure that, because that could be a deal breaker, right? Correct. And it feel, but how do you, how do we influence that? You know, it's the police, it's the state. That's pretty big, but there's an interest here from the state to make right. this work. So uh, is that helpful? Who's who's yes. helping us? So, uh, you know, part of um, so this committee has received some funding from the town, but we've also, you know, on our own, and the town support obviously received technical assistance funding from uh, Mass Development, and so. Uh, a woman named Mike Mitchell at Mass Development is is helping us with that piece and has identified the person who manages the schedule, uh, who's a uh, appointee of the governor, um, who is so far saying the right things about, you know, we can work together, let's get together for a meeting, et cetera. The meeting has not happened yet, but uh, we've pretty quickly been able to identify the right person to talk to. One, one point on that, the state is trying to build 30,000 additional housing units because yeah. of the housing shortage. 334 units represents more than 1% of the state's problem. So the idea that a housing project that is, I think it's fair to say that Mike is pretty excited about this project from Mass, from mass Development, really sees this as a great project. The idea that a 334-unit housing project would be sacrificed to the acoustic issues of a police range that's under the control of the state, I think feels to me like the political pressures will be in our favor. Thank you. And then lastly, you mentioned that um, not all the buildings are, are going to be utilized, 25 out of the... There's, there's two that Trinity thinks uh, or expects to demolish. So if they're demolished, and you say no new construction... It just gets demolished and it becomes just open space or they're not interested in saying is in building something in its place that maybe looks like the other buildings. I'm just curious. So far, no. And I think, you know, they. The tax credit piece of it, I mean, they will be negotiating this with the, literally the National Park Service and Massachusetts Historical Commission. So sometimes you get into. Uh, some of those conversations may be about whether they would see that as an issue of using tax credits if something else were to be okay. built there. But I think so their their goal I think is to is to accommodate three hundred and thirty four apartments within the buildings that they believe they can 
save. I also, I saw Jean Minio earlier. I don't know where, ah, okay. I, um, I, I, you know, so Cam is having some conversations also with Trinity about Cam's kind of overall plan for the site. And I, you know, Jean, I don't know if you want to address that, but I think there's some interest in those buildings by others that Trinity thinks, you know, they, it, according to their proposal, they would be taking down. Thank you. And Jeff, just to answer the specific question, the two buildings that they propose to be demolished, per their proposal appears, would just be green space. Yep. And okay. what they submitted to the town Great. so far. Um, you know, one last thing, you know, I, I, I think, I don't think we should be scaring each other about stuff. You know, if, if you consider an apple orchard scary, we wouldn't do pick your own. But people will tell you, that if you go buy an apple orchard and try to take it down, the arsenic from the seeds go in the ground and oh my God, but we eat an apple every day. I do anyway. <laughs> I'm not afraid of it. We have to move on. We need to do some good things and thank you. Thank you. Bit of a struggle with Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, John. Uh, my name's John Honey, Summertine Maplewood Roads. And First of all, I would like to acknowledge John Thompson's and Bill Masao's terrific contribution to this town. Thank you. I've urged uh, both of them to send the consultants bill to. <laughs> <laughs> Than for. Are you working on commission, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First of all, uh, there are so many points raised in your presentation, Todd, that uh, I would distinguish or even deny. But time is now of the essence. And I, I wonder why this rush to a town meeting in June that doesn't even take us through the 90 days that the due diligence is, is doable. Uh, secondly, we have an obligation to generations to come to do the right thing up there at the hospital. And it's been years. Some of us, I was on five different hospital committees. Okay. And I know a little bit about the history not as much as John does about the buildings, of course, and I don't reverence those buildings as much as he does, but the simple fact is we have a serious problem in town in that we haven't even acknowledged what the very recent and uh, certainly needed building of, of housing, but we seen a great approximate to the hospital. We've seen those, those houses go in. We've seen, we see the Legion yet going up. We see Dale Street. We know that Tilden will have more housing at some point. You know, and it goes on. And we've done pretty well downtown destroying housing. So we don't have what was originally thought to be a compelling reason to do the hospital, or to, to have it done by Avalon Bay, perhaps, initially was hoped, I gather. And what we have now is a bit of time to do it right. The hospital hasn't been a great cost to the town. 
a lot of money has come in, and we haven't worked to get more money in. We understand that the recent part of a movie was done. We don't know what kind of money came in on that, but I hope something did. But we do know the town meetings have authorized and has been spent, has been, the town has spent over a million dollars to, to get the hospital question right. And never have we had a vote on the master plan, not as I remember in the, in the committee meetings, I may have missed one in the, what, three years we were meeting. We never had uh, any vote that said that we're going to follow this. Quite the contrary. The master plan was always said, well, this is not the plan, but we wanted to look at different things. We had catalyst committees go out and look at could we do North Hill or something comparable to that up there? And no serious major study was done in any alternative. We ran through three different consultants. And what do we come up with? The same thing that 20 developers, more than 20, sat around the table before we ever had a committee and said, your only answer is dense housing. Forget the commercial up here. It's dense housing. Well, we're getting dense housing, 334 units. And I don't see them being characterized as what they really will be if uh, Medfield housing patents are followed. People aren't moving it. My age group, certainly, <laughs> they're moving into Vine Lake. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, we don't see people, families, well, we do see families moving in, but we don't see an age group of elders or of near elders. You know, it's 55 and over, we're counting as seniors now. I'll tell you what senior is when you're 85 and older. Uh, so the, the promise that we should be making to future generations is that we did the very best we could and what I see now is a rush to a decision on you don't have most advantageous when you only have one. I've written a lot of contracts in my business life. Never like to be the only one. Only one choice that I had sitting in front of me. If I had a project that we wanted done, you didn't want one respondent to it. And that's what we have here. You know, the, the, the 44 million that Pulte was going to put up. You know, we go from that down to who knows, 500,000 or 650 once we split with the state and the amount of who's negotiating this. I don't even know who's negotiating for the town. I know you people are well, Gus, you took yourself out of being uh, in the real estate business, but the others. You other three gentlemen are all in the business, and very successfully so, I gather. But how is that helping Medfield? Now, where is the good deal for Medfield? And I don't see it on the, what we're looking at here. Uh, one side thing. If we have so much water up there, we don't have to worry about it. 
Why do we have water bands like that? Why was the Water and Sewer Board looking to uh, tie in to the major water supplier in the area? No? And a million and a half gallons a day doesn't go as far as it did when we were a small community. All in all, I'd ask you to take more time not to have that June meeting, and let's see what happens when we look at it far more closely. Thank you. Thank you. So I, um, I appreciate the feedback. I'm, I'm sure we all do. I uh, will be following up on, on all of your remarks. I, I do just want to make one comment about the density. So it's 334 units on 46 acres, which is, which is, um, would be seven units per acre, which I think is a lot less dense, you know, than other projects that have been going in, in town. And if you look so at the 87 acres, the it's, it's less than four. Whole thing of studio apartments and one bedroom apartments. That's just not going to happen. But, you know, people aren't going to be in here. Romans is your future swamp. It's not seven units per acre. Well, this would be four. Where they're living physically, not the other eighty-six that is around. It's their neighbors. We do have somebody remotely would like to. Okay, so thank you. Sure, let's mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Teresa James. Teresa, you should be able to unmute yourself now. Great. Hi, everyone. Teresa James, 67 Harding Street. And um, echo all the comments that I'm so impressed with the um, development committee and carrying through a process to um, continue momentum forward here. Um, just one really quick question. I was glad I was glad and surprised to hear about the Board of Selectmen's desire to withhold the Green Arboretum in Northfield um, from the proposal as um, as originally intended, and, and that Trinity was willing to to continue working with us, knowing that those would not be there. But has there been any ask of them or to have any sort of a first of right refusal if the town would ever put those up at a future date? Um, they did ask, um, and that is not in the uh, provisional agreement that was executed by the selectmen. I think there are challenges around that given the 30B process and what's required of being able to grant any kind of right of first refusal or ability to match or anything like that. Okay, thanks for the clarification. That was it for me. Okay, thank you, Teresa. Thanks, Teresa. Hi, Bill Massaro, 36 Evergreen Way. Um, again, I'll echo what everybody said about the presentation tonight and everything else. Um, I know you guys have done a lot of work. I tried to make your job, believe it or not, I tried to make your job easier in many ways <laughs> with the suggestions that I made and everything else. And one of the goals that I had when I responded to the RFP drafts and everything else was to get a bid that you wouldn't have any surprises uh, when our friends at Trinity or whatever did their due diligence to come back and say, you didn't tell us about this, you didn't tell us about that, and whatever we offered you, you owe us money. And so that was where, where I was coming from. 
Um, I'm not going to beat up the past. I mean, I, I, I tend to look towards, you know, how do we go forward? How, where do we get to where we need to get to and everything else? I've made it clear that I'm not happy with the price. I, I don't think that we're being, I think we've undervalued the property. I think we started out with a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy that uh, we would be lucky to get anything for it. And I don't think that's, that was appropriate or a way to go into negotiations. But I made several suggestions that I would hope that 30B won't prevent you from discussing as you go forward in your discussions with Trinity, uh, things like, uh, what if they find a building that's in such bad shape that it has to come down? Uh, theoretically, they could put a new building up, matching the historic features, cheaper than they could have remediated and fixed the old building and everything else. And what would that do to the price? So I've, I've tried to give you several opportunities. I'm just going to, I'll mention them as I finish here, but... Um, I think also that we do have more units than we need. And back when the discussions were first uh, uh, gone into about the purchase of the property and everything else, uh, we were looking at a 440-unit development from, uh, from DCAM. And it had 13 new buildings. So not only was it using the old buildings, but it was constructing 13 new buildings down along the path that people are taking now to drive out to the Overlook. Uh, there were 13 buildings on that green swath that's to the left as you drive out there, and they went in a J-frame, back a J-shape back around the buildings and came up to the water tower land. Um, I, I was not in favor of that. I thought there were too many people, uh, too many units, and I thought that the, the, the numbers of Students were understated. I thought the student costs were wrong and everything else. I've subsequently raised those questions about going forward uh, with Trinity as to you know, make sure that we understand what the cost benefits are for the town. Um, so let me just quickly say the first committees in the near past uh, were shooting for a total of 250 units. And as a result of the master plan, uh, the hospital master plan committee, it was decided that it took 330 or 335 units to uh, make it uh, financially attractive to a, to a developer. Now, one of the questions I asked was, because Trinity has stuck very, very close to the master plan. They're taking down two buildings. Jeff asked a question about the two buildings that were coming down. One of them is a 91,000 square feet of of new cafeteria, which looks like a high school from 1950. Uh, that was coming down. Everybody was taking that down. DCAM was taking that down. It's not on the historic register. Um, and the master plan was taking it down. The other, the other building that's coming that was coming down was the engineering building, which is back near the laundry parcel. It's also not on the historic register. Um, I understand there is some interest in it you know, to be saved, but um, that'll work out however it works out. That is also not on the historic register. So none of the historic uh, buildings were coming down. DCAM has taken down historic buildings up there. They took down the, uh, the old stables. Uh, they've taken down a couple of other buildings and everything else. It didn't impact anything that DCAM thought Avalon Bay would be able to get for credits taking down those buildings. So if for some reason... Trinity finds a building that doesn't fit their needs or is too expensive to, to remediate or they don't want to put up new construction or anything else, 
essentially you're saving them money. The question now becomes, did they need those units to make it financially viable for them? So one of the questions, again, I would ask the committee to uh, investigate with, with Trinity is, did you pick 335 units because you needed that to make this project goable for you, where you're going to meet your, your financial obligations that you have, or can you sell for less units? What can we do to make fewer units? What, how can we get fewer units? What suggestions would you have? And I would hope that the committee would at least discuss those. I don't know if that violates 30B or not. Um, you know, whether it affects the whole uh, sale and whether you have to go back and rebid and everything else. And I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking to have the discussions to cover the alternatives, possible alternatives, possible ways of getting more money for the town. I would also suggest that the more money you get for the town, the more money DCAM gets, the more they might be inclined to do something about the range if there were a few bucks more uh, for them in it. So again, just something to consider. So let me just quickly go Bill, back Bill, over. can I just react yeah. to that? Because yeah. I have a slightly different perspective on that. Um, <clears throat> the, if I, Nick, you can check me if I'm wrong, but when I reviewed the proposal, one of the things that struck me was the number of units they had that were single bedroom units. Yes. So if, if we had a conversation about, could you get by with fewer units? I would expect the answer would be sure, we can make them two and three bedroom units. And as soon as we go in that direction, then suddenly we start opening up the possibility of more families with children moving in there. So actually my, my reaction to the proposal was, gee, there's an awful lot of one bedroom units here. And that's a good thing for, our, for the purposes of the town in terms of at least the impact that it could have on, on school populations. So it wouldn't automatically say getting something, you know, lower number of units automatically gets you a better situation for what the town needs. Uh, yes, and, but I would also point out, though, that we don't have really their latest pro formas on what the, what the number of students are. They have not been assessed by the school committee. They haven't mm -hmm. been assessed by any of the boards in town, just like the water usage and everything else hasn't been assessed or the sewer mm -hmm. usage and everything yeah. else. Um, one of my main questions uh, was... When do we see that kind of information? How much of it is going to be? You discussed some of it, Todd. I appreciate that you did that. Um, I'd like to see a schedule as when you think some of this information would be available. Like when will we see so pro forma? First half of, first half of May, um, okay. the kind of third-party deliverables. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure on the pro forma. Yeah, maybe, maybe you could put some dates against the due diligence uh, uh, the matrix that... Uh, yeah, I think that the top of it actually says by mid-May, our version of it, but if it doesn't, we can certainly clarify that. Yeah, and, the idea and, is, you know, there are yeah. meetings pending with the school committee and warrant committee, et cetera, right. but we want their updated information, which we are to have the first part of May, so that we can okay. then have current information for purposes of those And will, will any of those meetings be public meetings that are held, say, with the school committee or anybody else? I assume they'll all be public. All right, so again, because I, I, I've been arguing for transparency, so all along here. One of the things I'm concerned about is the, you know, I wasn't thrilled with the provisional uh, designation agreement. I mean, I thought that it could have used a little fine tuning and I made several suggestions to it and everything else, but it didn't get released to the public until like the Friday before the selectmen were voting on it Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and I would hope that we would see the land disposition agreement with a little more time so that it could get reviewed. Comments could be at least accepted as opposed to saying, well, we're voting on it. You know, your comments were great, but we're, we've already decided we're going to vote on it. So I would ask that you at least 
give us some kind of an inclination of when you think that might be released, when the land disposition agreement might be released in advance of the uh, of the special town meeting. I think it's a fair request. Um, just sort of the selectman level, right? So, two, yeah. so two, two reactions, Bill. Uh, one, I'm not sure, given that we're not expecting to see some of the results of the due diligence till May, and we don't know how controversial or difficult those results will be. It's a little hard to be sure when the, you know, I don't know how you pick a date for the land disposition agreement when you don't know whether that's a big deal or a little no, deal. No, but I'd like to know we're not going to Qu see it the day before the meeting or two <laughs> days before the meeting. That's so leave, so that for. that's my point as a practical matter, picking a date. I, you could put a date, but I don't know that it means anything without knowing for sure that all the due diligence stuff is is completed. However, looking at it from, I think, the select, you know, the town standpoint, to your point, if the if the residents are asked to come to a special town meeting to approve an action and they have not had enough time or at least for those who want to have the time to review and react to the LDA then I see in this process we jeopardize the ability to get an approval vote not because it shouldn't be there but because people haven't had the time to digest it so to your point I think there is pressure on on us to get the LDA done in time so that be, I would anticipate that there would be information sessions like this to help people understand it. That's right. Uh, so I can't tell you exactly what the dates on all well, that would I'm be, not, but no, I think I'm, yep. I'm very sensitive to just sitting there telling people to approve a pig and a poke isn't probably going to happen on something like this. So. Yeah, because the, the town meeting is not the, the, not the time the time for somebody to stand up and say, we needed right. another week or two weeks right. to look at this or whatever right. and everything else. And it, right. And, and you're, now you're forced back into defending the, the rush argument and everything again. Right. And I don't want that. Right. I, I, I have nothing against this plan with the clarifications. And as I said before, I'd like to see more money, however we could possibly get it. Uh, let, let me just quickly go over some of the, the, the comments and concerns. That, that hey, I Bill, can expressed. I ask you a quick question yeah. on that point? What, yeah. is, there an is there an actual market-based when you say that we should get more money, what's the ground? What's the grounds for you to say that? Well, I'm not sure that we've ex we've addressed all of the p the potentialities for getting it. So, I mean, okay. basically, so we've the, gotten okay. we've gotten a response to what we told them. We had spent so much time and money putting together, namely the master mm -hmm. plan, mm -hmm. that they essentially bid to the master plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, they. I, mean, I could tell you where they differed from it. I mean, mm -hmm. but in general, I mean, it's pretty darn close. To the master plan, and one of the questions I asked right from the beginning was, did they bid that? Be As I mentioned earlier in my tonight, did they bid it because that's what we wanted them to bid? After we stressed how important it was for the town to meet our aspirations, that, the, that we'd gone all these surveys and people had wanted this, or is that what they needed? Are they scrimping by, you know, they, they, they really wanted 400 units to really meet their financial objectives, but they stuck with the three. Th yeah. I just want the question right. and I, asked. I and just wanted to ask. Right. And, and we can re-ask, but I would say my impression of that is it's the former, right? Trinity does a lot of projects like this with towns. Yeah. And they know it's going to be brought to town meeting. And they're looking at a master plan that was three or four years in the making that says no more than 335 units. Okay. So I will so, point out that the one of the the first survey that that was done by the the uh, master plan the hospital master plan committee came back with what's the worst nightmare in town, and the worst nightmare was housing. So at the very least, I think you at least 
need to have that discussion with, with, with Trinity. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just making suggestion. All right, so look, my, my current uh, concerns and questions that I've already submitted to the committee, probably in too great detail, was what data will be available for public comment before the meeting. We've just discussed that. Um, how close is the developer adhering to the master plan and why? And are, there, are there any opportunities there? I asked a question about inclusionary zoning. Uh, we had included uh, the 25% requirement, which I had just, uh, lobbied for for many, for many years. Um, we may not need 25%. At some point in the future, the town would probably be looking at reducing the 25%, assuming there's another large project coming on. And I, and I suggested that you, uh, uh, because Pulte had also offered, if we were to reduce the 25%, that they could perhaps lower the number of the units that they had. So again, I would ask that you at least raise that question. Um, dropping the 25% is, is it, grant would require zoning change, but I mean, we changed the zoning for the hospital. We could certainly re redo that as well. Um, yeah, the, the issue on that one for me is a timing issue because it's like, yeah, we could. We went and put it in, and before we actually have a project that it applies to, we're talking about, gee, we don't need it. Which I actually, I'm the one who asked Pulte that question. Yes. Uh, but the issue is we're moving ahead with the project. I guess we could have a theoretical discussion. With Trinity, that would say, "Yeah, if you guys yeah, get your act together, you then right maybe." Up. But uh, yeah, I mean, right now it's a bylaw of the town, so right. I think right. the question is: Is there, you know, an appetite in the town to revisit? It probably it's in their yeah. proposal because yeah. it's 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 a current bylaw of the town. Right. So I think, you know, some people may not be uh, fans of the master plan, but I think you know what Trinity was trying to do was respond to what it felt the town as a whole was saying it wanted. I understand. Right? But again, I, it's an opportunity to ask a question and get a reasonable yeah. response okay. back and see Agreed. if there's a benefit for the town. You'll be examining the cost impacts. You'll be examining their performance for benefits for the town or areas where you're concerned. You do the same thing here in terms of, of these issues. Um, so Bill, one more, one yeah. last follow-up. As you're making that point, Benefits to the town for you in that if we have that conversation the benefits to the town you're talking about is is there anything you could do that would cause you to give us more money as opposed to is there anything you can do to lower the number of units because we actually really don't want 334 more units it's in other words is it a financial but benefit to the town or is it a together. housing I mean, count so the number of students the number of traffic trips the number of the amount of water used the amount of sewage everything else are all related to the number of units i mean i think they're all reasonable questions to to explore I mean, well, I mean i mean no one's disagreeing with that just to be clear uh, yeah no yeah. i know I, yeah. again and i'm not I mean, I'm not arguing here. I mean, uh, most of what I've done is try to make suggestions uh, to hopefully benefit the town and without her, not looking to hurt Trinity, not mm -hmm. looking to hurt the town. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to try to get, to get out of this with the best deal you can get that impacts the town the least and benefits the town the most. Mm -hmm. That's all I've ever been looking for. Um, there was a question about public access. There's a page and a half of restrictions in the Trinity proposal that, that they would uh, impose uh, impose on uh, public access. And one of the questions and one of the suggestions I made is that you should at least get a clear definition 
of who's going to be allowed where, what are the restrictions that are going to apply to those people. Uh, there's no public drinking. Does that affect, you know, it's, uh, the genes? Uh, I mean, she just got permission to have uh, a certain that, alcohol. Not before for, noon, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> 20 Saturdays through October or whatever, and anything else. And, I mean, granted, they won't own the property by then, but what about the future? So these things need to, need to be worked out. So there are issues of the, uh, uh, there's no guitar playing, there's no whatever. I mean, that would... And Bill, again, your issue there has to do with during construction or permanent? Permanent. Okay. Permanent. I mean, the issues of, there, there, are, there will be access issues during the 20 months or so that they said that they would like to close the whole property. Um, you, can, you know that we had the discussion before the meeting started tonight that I worked hard to make sure that the, the overlook would still be available to, to the public during the work that's going on on the laundry parcel right now. So... Um, you'll need to work those things out. Yeah, let me just um, add a comment. So we talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, now the town is retaining these parcels. What I, I didn't mention, and I probably should have, is the, you know, a lot of the infrastructure money is expecting to be from MassWorks, which yes. requires public ways. So the expectation, and we we'll look at Nick because he's sort of our expert, is that you know, these, these will be public streets in Medfield. Yeah, but there are some issues too with, the, for example, the loop is that they're, they're supposedly retaining the loop. Uh, the right. loop is affects Gene's property, you know, right. the streets that run alongside and in front and back of the chapel. No, I understand. Could I comment on that one? Because yeah. I'm the one that, that brought that up when we were talking to Trinity. So the outer street, they, they wanted it to be public. It's going to be public. And, and so that's clear. The inner loop, I was the one who asked the question because the pictures that they had, you know, of, of what it looked like, those were not standard roads. And so I raised the question with them, well, do you really want the town to own the stuff that's inside the, you know, inside the quad? Because the pictures of what you're doing there make it look like they're not really standard roads. It's almost more like a village type thing. And I, I think they backed it. So I, I prompted the question, and they backed right off of that, I think, in response to, no, we'll take care of the internal roads from the standpoint, when I asked the question from the standpoint of the town, it seemed to me the fewer roads that we, you know, given that you can get around the site, the fewer roads we take on direct responsibility for, the better off the town is. And then aesthetically for them, the less prescribed the, town, the roads on the inside would be maybe the better off. No, and if you look at the ambiance that they yeah, proposed yeah. and everything else, I mean, I have no objection to that. Again, all I'm trying to do is let's make sure that we know that the public has access to where the public wants to go. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, uh, that someone had mentioned when I discussed this before was that, well, you can always go up through the Arboretum and go up through the laundry parcel and down the back and get across the property that way and everything else. So one of the issues that I have with that is just as Trinity has some concerns about the volume of traffic of, of non-residents for their development, uh, going through their development, whatever happens in the Arboretum, uh, as presumably if you sell it to someone, they're gonna have the same concerns about the rest of the public in the town going through the Arboretum to get to a property in the back. So the master plan has a nice access to trails and all these other, 
I think that should be updated somewhere in, in, during your negotiations with Trinity so that it's clear where people will be able to go. Bill, one, one comment I have about that is that the inner roads on the quad are north, south, east, and west street. I have turned away at least five appliance deliveries <laughs> to trucks that come up in the campus to deliver refrigerators and stoves. Because those roads North are on, they're yeah. on Google Maps. Yeah. And they actually come up there and try to deliver to West Street. And this isn't West Street. Well, yes, it is. It's in my group. <laughs> so, Bill, it's, it's uh, so we, were, we were planning to, to yeah. conclude at 9 p.m. and it's not fine right. now. That's fine. I, I, just, we, we talk again, often. I mean, I appreciate your input. I'm, I'm supportive. I mean, just so you understand, I just want thank to get you. the questions out of the way. That's all. Okay. All right. Thank you all. Thanks, Bill. Do we have Thanks, any Bill. other? Uh, we have, any other we have um, a number of written questions, which we can take as written comments. Yeah, let's do that because we're after nine o'clock okay. now, and I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Um, so, if there's no further comments, uh, I'd like to adjourn the meeting. Do we have a motion to adjourn? I move. You guys want to stand for yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> I move. We, I move. We adjourn. Second. We have a motion from Gus and a second by Johnny. So let's vote. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. The motion carries, and we are adjourned. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for coming, Thanks, everyone. everyone.